طيب بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام الأتمان الأكملان على سيدنا ونبينا وحبيبنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على سيدنا محمد عدد ما ذكره الذاكرون وغفل عنه الغافلون اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد ما ذكره الذاكرون الأبرار وصل الله وسلم على محمد ما تعاقب الليل والنهار وعلى آله وصحبه so we're on the ninth stop now with this wonderful book and this book as the title tells us is a book specifically on the modes the virtues the ways the meanings of doing salah and salam on the messenger sallallahu and typical of ibn al-qayyim if you guys Take your minds back to the very first session. I said one of the things characteristic of Ibn al-Qayyim is that when he grasps any point, he really does dig deep. And this is what we will see in this work. Ibn al-Qayyim hones in on the salah that we do. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala ala Muhammad kama salli ala Ibrahim wa ala ala Ibrahim innaka hamid al-majid. That is... The focus of this book, just that passage, which which we repeat many times over in any uh, in any given day. Uh, Ibn al-Qayyim then proceeds to outline the meaning of this, uh, this passage. He breaks it down for us. He shows us the differences of opinion on the different meanings and the strengths and weaknesses of, of uh, the various opinions. Sometimes he provides his own uh, uh, sort of preferences. Uh, it's a very well-organized book. Uh, and unlike, say, some of the previous texts, it's not a risala. It's not right. He's not writing a letter to a friend. Uh, he has written what we would call a monograph. He has singled out a topic and tackled it in great depth. Uh, this book, uh, another feature of it is that it's again hadith heavy. And subhanAllah, the more you uh, acquaint yourself with Ibn al Qayyim's books, the more appreciative you become of the efforts he expended in collecting, in uh, grading, in studying and analyzing these hadith. Always remember that this is Ibn al-Qayyim writing, and he didn't have you know, these tools that we all have today, these, uh, the software and these index, indices or indexes. Uh, he didn't have any of that. You know, he was going by the books that he had. He was doing this manually. He was, uh, you know, subhanAllah, anything they achieved, great things. And, you know, these people are people of barakah, people of ibadah, people of sincerity, and Allah has granted them uh, any immense amounts of success. Is this uh, a unique work? We'll turn on to that, inshallah. Um, we can go through quickly the index, as always. It's always helpful to see uh, how Ibn Qayyim covers this theme. And uh, it's 700 pages in this edition. Uh, but one shouldn't be uh, put off by that because actually a lot of this are, uh, are footnotes, detailed hadith uh, referencing and so on. Uh, it's not that difficult to go through. Saying that, have a, having said that, uh, the book is very detailed, very, very detailed and way beyond what a normal person would want. If you want to learn something about this topic, you don't want this extent of hadith detail. 
So one of the things that uh, crossed my mind is if there's an abridgment or a summary of this book, and actually there is, and I will share it with you in a, a moment, inshallah. This book here, Nail al-Muram, Fi salatu wassalam al-khayl, and I'm by Adil Hussein Asyuti. This was published in 92, and it's a very good summary, because what the author, what the uh, compiler has done is he's retained Ibn al-Qayyim's uh, words, and he's basically edited or, or uh, redacted or removed those things that are not necessary for the average reader. So what you end up having is a very, very good summary. In fact, what I might be doing in this session, perhaps, when I share bits, is I probably rely on this edition, on the summary, as opposed to the full 700-odd page version. This is very good, and if you want to uh, just familiarize yourself with this topic without going into the depth, the, the uh, you know, Ibn al-Qayyim's book is discursive. He covers a lot of things, a lot of things. There are sections where he's talking about uh, Hebrew and how, uh, you know, um, uh, Hebrew, the, in, the, in the Hebrew language, they construct uh, 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 how they invent words. And uh, he also talks about all sorts of linguistic things that aren't that relevant to the topic. They're interesting, they're useful. In another uh, context, they would be immensely um, beneficial. But actually, if somebody wants to simply know what are the benefits? How do I go about? How do I do salah on the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? What, what is the reward? What are the virtues of doing salah on the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? When do I do it? And so on, these sort of questions. This, I would reference him, I would say, look, go to Nail al-Mura and don't go to Jalal al-Fahm because you'll get lost. Why will you get lost? Because here we have the index, okay? So, uh, first of all, he goes through Fasl um, al-Awwal. He brings you all the hadith, and one of the things this editor has done is listed, uh, numbered, sorry, numbered every hadith that Ibn al-Qayyim mentions throughout this text. So they reach there in the hundreds. It begins with all the hadith that are related to this topic, which are around 150. Only about 40 of them are, are actually authentic. The rest are questionable or, or dubious. Uh, and in the summary or the abridged version, we only have the 40 or so authentic ones. He does that. He discusses them. He discusses the strengths, the weaknesses, all of this. As you can see, the index itself runs into the tens of pages. Then he goes on to... Uh, when we let's say we go 45, 46, you can see the numbers of a hadith. Marasil uh, as well. And then he goes into the second section. So the first section lists all the hadith. The second section, what does he do? He starts breaking down. So he starts with Allahumma. What does Allahumma? What does why do we have the, the meme at the end? What does that mean in lang, in the in, in the language? طيب. And then he, he says. Ma'ana salah. So he says, Allahumma salli. Okay, what does salli mean? What does salah mean here? Uh, the differences of opinion. It means mercy. It means forgiveness. It means these sort of things. Then he goes into Allahumma salli ala, we know Muhammad. Okay, so what does this mean? Where does this name come from? What is, uh, what is its etymology, its roots, and so on? And then he goes, Wa'ala, okay, we know Ala, Ali. Okay, so what does Ali mean? He breaks every aspect of it down. And then uh, with Ali specifically, he discusses, okay, who are the Al of Muhammad and um, the evidences for each party? What's the difference between Al and Ahl? Uh, are the wives included? You know, the differences of opinion. Okay, but what he does there as well 
is while he's going on about this, he includes a section on the Messenger Sallallahu uh, wives. After that, he follows it up with a section on the Messenger Sallallahu uh, briefly follows up with a section on Prophet children. Um, and he goes into the meaning of children, and then the Riyah specifically, and then he goes into Ibrahim. Okay, where does the name Ibrahim come from? Why was this mentioned? Why, what's the wisdom between uh, in combining Salah and the Nabi وسلم, and Salah and Ibrahim or Al Ibrahim? Who are Al Ibrahim? Every word here is deconstructed. This entire phrase is deconstructed, and then he elaborates on every aspect of it. So, in that sense, it's immensely useful. In that sense, I will say, and as far as I can tell, Wallahu Ta'ala Alam. It's impossible, humanly impossible, I will say, to encompass uh, everything that, or to take account, to stock for everything that the Muslim world or the Islamic world has produced in terms of literature. It's impossible. It's too vast. So, but I'm saying here, as far as I can tell, this book is quite unique in the sense that while there are other works that, of course, talk about Salah and the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Usually, uh, these are uh, part and parcel of wider commentaries on the, sh you know, uh, on say uh, and Adkar, like Shaukani's commentary on Hassan al-Hasin, or Abdulaziz Dabbaghs, you know, Ali al-Haddad, or you know, these small rasail. They're talking about Adkar, and they'll throw in a section on Salah and the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam. But I am not aware, and if anyone is, let them let me know. Uh, of a text that is this detailed about just this aspect it is incredibly detailed he does dig ibn al-qayyim here digs he digs he really does dig um as we said it's hadith heavy book um, uh, hundreds of hadith hundreds hundreds of hadith and ibn al-qayyim uh, mentions any you know the ilal of any some of these hadith the problems with some of the riwayat and so on uh, he engages also uh, on the fiqhi issues or in linguistic, any all issues of khilaf. He deals with them, uh, providing evidences for both sides and then giving his, often giving his perspective on things. Uh, I did mention it can be summarized or abridged. This is the abridgment. I do recommend it. Uh, it's very useful, very, very useful. Uh, you can, I, unless you're a specialist or want something very specific, and usually that specific thing relates to, like I said, language, or relates to certain some aspects of fiqh, it covers certain aspects of fiqh as to whether it's wajib to do salah, maybe not wajib, uh, or uh, specific hadith details. This is the work you can consult this book, you don't need to read the, the, the more detailed work. Uh, uh, one of the things, of course, while reading this and knowing and coming across so many hadith, one of the beautiful things about reading a hadith is, is that. Uh, there's barakah in reading hadith. There is a blessing. Allah is your, facilitates, helps, makes things easy. Uh, uh, you know, puts barakah in your time, in your energy, and so on. When you read hadith, because that constant salah and the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam, constant salah and the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and uh, that salah and the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam come is is paid back to you in multiple dividends, and allows you to. Uh, uh, it just it's blissful. It's 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 uh, it's very uh, it's something beautiful. And I think only through experiencing this, only through say uh, reading a word of having a word of hadith, 
uh, as one has should have a word of Quran. This is something we, yani, if you are uh, in the same way that every one of us should have a word of the Quran, we should also have a word of the Sunnah. Word means you have a certain portion that you revise and you read, uh, or a certain book. And if you are, and you know, most people I'd say, you know, Riyadh al-Salihin is more than enough, or uh, uh, what's it called? Abdul Hayy al Laknawi's book. Uh, what's it called, uh, guys? We've covered it before. Uh, what's it called? SubhanAllah, Bihamdi, SubhanAllah, Someone remind me. What's uh, one second? Abdul Hayy al Hassani's book. What's it called? Tahdeeb al-Akhlaq, there you go. SubhanAllah. Tahdeeb al-Akhlaq, jazakumullah khairan. Tahdeeb al-Akhlaq, perfect. You know, of course, if you're Talib uh, Ilm, as they would say, then obviously a book like Jami' al-Tirmidhi or something of the kind. Or some people, I know some people who uh, do the six books every year. They cover the six books every year. They have a word that they... Uh, they, they uh, uh, stick to and they managed to cover the six books of you so anyway in any case the point here is we need to uh, have a word of the sunnah and a word of the quran riyad al-salihin over a year is nothing uh al-akhlaq even less less uh, less uh, less difficult and uh, we always say why is that important because i say riyad al-salihin is is a tafsir of, of the quran it's a practical tafsir we see the prophet uh, if you think of it, no, he begins every section, every chapter with an ayah, and then he follows it up with a hadith, showing how the Prophet ﷺ understood and implemented and acted upon those ayahs. So it's actually uh, a book of tafsir, and we, one, many, one of these days maybe we can go into it, inshallah, as to why no, he wrote it, what was the motive, how does it compare to, say, uh, or something we can do that maybe one, one of these days, inshallah. In any case, uh, so Ibn al-Qayyim begins this book. Let's go through some sections, inshallah. This session will not be, I don't anticipate that this section will be uh, will be uh, very long. Uh, we'll go through some bits, inshallah. And I know some of you in this group have read this book, so uh, do, do I'd be more than happy for you to contribute, inshallah. So Ibn al-Qayyim begins by saying, هذا كتاب سميته جلاء this is a book that I call Jila uh, al-Afham. When we were putting the translation, of, I was thinking, oh, how do we translate this? So Jila is the clarity of thought or um, uh, sort of uh, uh, shining, you know, like seeking something crystal clear, often clearing the thoughts perhaps regarding the virtues of Salah and Salam upon uh, upon Muhammad, the best of Allah's creation. And he says, I've divided into five sections, and it is a unique book. We've already touched on that. Is it a unique book? Yani, uh, uh, one from as far as I can tell, there's nothing comparable to this. There, there probably is, but I can't. I haven't seen it. Lam nusbaq ila fi he says, we haven't, no one's preceded us to the amount of benefits found in this book and their unique or how, uh, uh, you know, special they are. 
بينا فيه الاحاديث الوارده في الصلاه والسلام عليه صلى الله عليه وسلم وصحيحه من من حسنها وعملولها وبينا ما في معلولها من العلل بيانا شافيا so he says we've listed the hadith regarding this topic we've uh, made clear the authentic ones from the inauthentic ones and why the ones are, which are not authentic uh, why that is so and then we talked about the secrets asrar hadha dua wa sharafi the secrets and the virtues of this dua and wa mushtamal alayhi min al hikam wal fawaid and the wisdoms and the benefits of this dua thumma and then after that we followed it up with muwatin salla alayhi sallallahu alayhi wasallam muhalia where uh, one is to do salah on the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam and then we've talked about how much or how often or what is obligatory what is the what is one's duty with respect to salah on the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam when does one have to do it how often does one have to do it uh, the type that one has to do and we've covered the differences of scholars on this regard on this issue and we've shown what is more preponderant or stronger and we've refuted what is weak uh, and the contents of this book is greater than its uh, than this description alhamdulillah rabbil alameen and we thank allah azza wa so he lists a whole bunch of ahadith uh, regarding this and uh, we won't go through them. We will not go through them, but there are about 45, 44 hadith, 44 hadith, uh, with different variations of the salah of, of this salah Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Um, he doesn't comment besides pointing out it's a list, he doesn't say anything else, he just lists the hadith, and the editor has done a good job of sort of uh, further referencing them. Uh, when he gets to beyond these 44, he starts pointing out the ones that are weak, ones that are questionable, and so on. Well, we won't go through these. Point here is if anyone wants a book that they can refer to where they will find an exhaustive list, there may be, there probably are other hadith, there may well be other hadith that he missed out on Ibn al Qayyim, rahimahullah. But given that, uh, given this is human anyway, human limits. But if you want a source for these ahadith, this is this is the book to refer to. This is uh, a reference point with regards to this topic. Um, after this, we'll just go through uh, some benefits, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, اللهم صل على النبي النبي الأمي وعلى آله طيب نعم أوكي we don't need to go through that طيب he still hasn't gone through نعم here we have سيد بن مسيب رضي الله عنه رحمه الله says uh, ما من دعوة لا يصلي على لا يصلى على النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قبلها إلا كانت معلقة بين السماء والأرض. There is no dua that is made in which one does not do salah on the Nabi صلى الله عليه وسلم before it, as in before making that dua, except that, that dua ends up hanging somewhere in between the heavens and the earth. I like that. Uh, here we go. So he lists after having listed this long list. He reaches 179 hadith. 
179 of which 44, 44 are authentic. He moves on to explain the meaning of Salah Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. One thing Ibn Qayyim did not touch on, however, in this book, uh, as far as I could tell from my reading of it, is why does, why, why do we say, Allahumma, oh Allah, you, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad. Why do we say that, oh Allah, we ask you, we're asking Allah to send his salah on the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And we're going to go into the meaning of salah and Allahumma and all this in a moment, inshallah. But before that, Ibn al-Qayyim, I didn't feel he touched on this question. And I found this, uh, I heard this from one from Sheikh Mustafa al-Bahir. He says, when we ask Allah Azza wa Jal to send his salah and his salam on the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he says that is an admission of our inability. That is, a, we, we here confess, we admit that we are unable to do salah on the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in a way that the Messenger Sallallahu is deserving. We, can't, we cannot compensate the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam for the good that he has given us and the good that he has brought into this world. And so the only one who can do that is Allah Jalla Jalaluhu. And that's why we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We say, oh Allah, you send salah on the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He's the only one subhanahu wa ta'ala who is able to do that task on our behalf in a way that is bit, befit, in a way that is fitting. Because we can't do that. We can't thank the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa or praise him in a way that is enough for the good that he has brought into this world. But here's a follow-up question. Again, Ibn Qayyim doesn't touch us on this, but I heard this from, uh, from somebody else, but not, not Mustafa Bahari. He says, okay, so if we ask Allah Azza wa Jal, why is it then that we do salah? If we're asking Allah, when Allah, says, when Allah says, Inna Allah wa malaikitahu yusalluna ala nabi Indeed, Allah and the angels do salah on the Nabi. Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu, sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima. Why is it if Allah is taking care of this affair, if Allah is taking care of this matter, He is going to do salah, and not only Him, the Malaika also do salah on the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Why is it that Allah says to us, do salah and do salam on Him, alayhi salatu wassalam? And Allahu alam, but quite simply because it's a way to for us to be part of, uh, to be rewarded, to be part of the reward. Uh, that Allah Azza wa Jal um, uh, gives to the one who does salah on the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. In other words, Allah Azza wa Jal is telling us, okay, this is something good for you to do, and you will reap rewards through it. I'm going to do it. You don't, and nobody, and once I've done it, subhanahu wa ta'ala, once he's done it, nobody else needs to do it. But, you know, I'm going to give you a way for you to gain further reward and to gain closeness to me and to gain closeness to the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So Allah Azza wa Jal here is, uh, showing us a, a, a something or a benefit in the Prophet ﷺ himself, you know, when a man came to him, he says, "Messenger of Allah, what shall I? How much of my of my du'a shall I appoint for you?" And he says, "A third, a half, and so on." He says, "Shall I make all my du'a? Shall I just make my du'a a salah on you?" He said, "In that case, took fi hamak wa." I'm not sure what the rest of the hadith is, but anyway, he says, "You know, Allah will take care of your affairs, basically." Uh, so Allah alam, and these are just a couple of points that I that came to mind or that I came across with regards to this issue that I haven't that I didn't see Ibn Qayyim touch on, even though this is, as I said, a very exhaustive and, and unique work. So Ibn Qayyim begins breaking down this salah and the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and its meanings. 
He says there's no difference of opinion. When you say Allahumma, it means oh Allah. Okay, so it means oh Allah. Ibn al-Qayyim then goes into something, a very elaborate, detailed discussion. He brings up some very interesting points. Uh, you know, here, for example, point four, he says, can you say ya Allahumma? And he says, this is a strange usage. Arabs don't know it. But he says, uh, he says, um, but it's not, it's not completely rejected or uh, uh, or incorrect. Uh, he says something else about uh, uh, no. He says something else about the meme in the Arabic language. Very interesting. Very beautiful discussion. He says how the construct the construction of a word in the Arabic language is reflective of its meaning. And he gives us some examples, uh, but he says meme, the way the meme sounds and the way it comes out of your mouth is encompassing. He says, there's a, there's, there's a link, there's a correlation between how we pronounce things, how we utter things in the language uh, and their meaning. Uh, he goes into that. It's not yeah, and he directly related to this discussion, but it's very interesting. And he says, uh, uh, and I, he says, I asked Ibn Taymiyyah about this. Uh, and he says, I, in he says, the relation between language, the way words are uh, uttered, uh, and their meanings. He says, I, there are many examples of that come to my mind. Uh, and then at the end of this section, he says, you know, there are so many of these. That inshallah one day I'll write a book about it. We we no such book has ever reached us. Wallah, and if he ever uh, did write it, um, but he brings some examples here that I wanted to share. Uh, uh, here we go. For example, when Adir who sabak, sabak. Dara is Dara Dawran and Wafarat al Qadr Fawran and Wahalat Ghalian. Hajar, Hawa. He says, compare Hajar, Hajar, which is stone, with Hawa, which is air. And, and notice how Hajar is, is uh, heavy and uh, tough sounding, whereas Hawa is very uh, light. Uh, it's just beautiful. It's one of those things. He says, This is the section, this is the bit where he says, I wish one day he wants to write a book about this. Now, there is an example that I wanted to share uh, about tall, tall and short, he brings. Uh, because just hearing it, hearing the two words will. Uh, Uh, I can't seem to find it. Ah, here we go. <laughs> it was just after, actually. So he, he brings. مثل هذه المعاني يستدعي لا طافت ذهن ورقة طبع ولا تأتي مع غلظ القلوب ورضا ورضا بأوائل مسائل نحو التصريف دون تأملها وتدبرها. والنظر إلى حكمة الواضع ومطالعة ما في هذه اللغة الباهرة من الأسرار التي تدق على أكثر العقول وهذا باب ينبه الفاضل على ما ورائه ومن لم يجعل الله له نورا فما له من نور 
فهي ذن سيز هي سيز اوكي هي سيز وانظر الى تسميتهم الطويل بالعشنق وتامل اقتضاء هذه الحروف ومناسبتها لمعنى الطويل so he says in the arabic language a tall person is called ashnaq so when you say that alashnaq what the emily says consider how these these this these letters come about and then compare that with somebody who's short when we say buhtur there's no way you can extend buhtur i tried it i said you know tried let me see if i can get buhtur to be you know to extend it uh, but no you can't buhtur means short and the arabic language alashnaq It's just beautiful. So this is just a complete side point, something that I thought to be sure. And he says, Al-Meem, when he says, Allahumma, remember this entire discussion. By the way, Ibn Al-Qaim here, he does this. He says, So he goes on and on and on about something. And then he says, Let's get back to the point. So of course, this entire section so far relates solely to Allahumma. Where does this come from? What does it mean? So he's focusing here on the meme sound that comes after Allah. Allahumma. He says, حرف شفهي يجمع الناطق بين شفتي. Because when you say م, you bring about both your your lips. فوضعته العرب. See, Arabs put this down as an indication. علما على الجمع. So he says, أنت أنتم and you know, and then he brings هم you know, and he brings lots of examples. That's اللهم. اللهم quite simply means, oh Allah. But then he explodes this meaning even further. He says, okay, uh, once you know this, فَهُمْ أَلْحَقُوهَا فِي آخِرْ هَذَا الْإِسْمَ الَّذِي يُسْأَلْ اللَّهِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى بِهِ فِي كُلْ حَاجِهِ وَفِي كُلْ حَالِ إِذَانْ بِجَمِيعَ أَسْمَاهِ وَصِفَاتِهِ So when we say Allahumma, he says, not just saying, oh Allah. He says, when we say that, that we add that meme at the end, what we're doing is asking Allah through all of his name. Because remember we said the meme signifies or denotes jama the entire uh, encompasses all the names and attributes so he says it's not just saying oh allah we're saying actually we're asking allah through all his names and attributes uh, uh, no. so that's beautiful and then he says dua is of three types and i believe we've covered this before one is to ask allah azawajal through his names and attributes The other is to ask, just ask, uh, to ask Allah out of your sense of impoverishment and destitution and weakness and need. So you begin to say, oh Allah, I am the weak and impoverished and I'm in need and, I, and so on. And the other is just to ask Allah for whatever it is that you need without neither calling upon his names nor with mentioning with the mention of your weaknesses, just to ask Allah for whatever it is you want. Uh, Yeah, but he says the best dua is to combine the three of these, which is to 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 begin, or to mention Allah's names and attributes, and then to mention your need and your weakness and so on, and then to mention whatever it is that you uh, you are after. Another um, bin Shamil, rahimahullah, says, "Man qala Allahumma faqad da'a bi jamia asma'ihi." Whoever says Allahumma, then he has called Allah upon called upon Allah with all his names and attributes. طيب. So that's Allahumma. We move on now to Salah al Nabi. What does Salah and the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam mean? He says uh, that this word comes has two meanings. Here, to be honest with you, I wasn't. I didn't follow the second section. He says uh, one of the meanings is du'a, 
is oh Allah make dua and bless the messenger sallallahu uh, and then he says the second one is ibadah. The meaning of salah is ibadah. Uh, but um, he doesn't seem to explore this other meaning, as far as I could tell. And I think he just dismisses it because, no, we're not asking Allah pray to uh, the Messenger. That's impossible meaning. So, Allah alam. But the first one, he says, what we're saying when we say Allahumma salli is we're asking Allah to, uh, to bless the Messenger. Um, and dua is of two types. Uh, we've covered this before. We don't need to. Uh, we don't need to um, go into it again. One thing actually is that in this book he covers the story of uh, the Ibrahim's guests in detail, almost the same as Arisal Tabukiya. He also covers other things that we've covered before. And one of these are he you can single out certain themes that are recurring in the Milqayim's works. Um, yeah. Yeah. So he says here that salah, salah from from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala when he does salah, the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the scholars disagreed or differed as to what this means. One of some of them said. This means, oh Allah, send your mercy upon the Messenger Sallallahu The other one is, oh Allah, forgive the Messenger Sallallahu who send your forgiveness. And Ibn Qayyim goes into all of these meanings and he dismisses those he thinks are weak and so on. Uh, and, and he gives you the reasoning as to why that is. So the idea that it is tarahum, he says it doesn't make sense. The idea that his forgiveness also doesn't make sense. And he goes into great length, great length, as to why that is. Um, no. But we have a hadith or a thar from some of the tabi'een that, uh, that salah, salatullahi azza wa jal, thana'uhu alayhi. And when, the most authentic or most reliable meaning is that salah, when we say, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad, oh Allah praise Muhammad, oh Allah salute Muhammad, oh Allah... Uh, uh, send your thana, um, uh, which is praise uh, um, upon someone. So we ask Allah to praise the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Of course, you can imagine here we're asking Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala to praise the best of His creation. Uh, we imagine one of us here is praised by, you know, somebody we respect or somebody we love or somebody we look up to, and here we're Allah Mathal Allah here we're multiple millions of times over. We're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to praise the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And that's his name. His name is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he's, uh, he's praiseworthy and he's often praised, oft praised. And uh, praised in all, in all regards, in all respects, in all times, uh, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Uh, here he brings an interesting point uh, regarding, if we, can we say Rasulullah, we know we say rahimahullah. Can we say Rasulullah rahimahullah? Of course, there's nothing in that. There's not, there's not prohibition. But he says here, uh, but if someone had said that, the whole ummah would have come and condemned him. Like, how can you say, Rahimahullah? But this Ibn al Qayyim uses, of course, to reply to those who say that salah means mercy. He says, this is, uh, he says, this is meaningless. He says, because oh, we can replace, and we can replace the word salah with rahma, and you would say, this is awkward uh, or meaningless. Allah, this is a dua here. 
اللهم ارحم عبادك وبلادك وبهائمك اللهم صل عليه بل الدائم المعتدي في دعائه الله لا يحب المعتدي نبي طيب so we this after this elaborate long discussion we said oh Allah is Allahumma and then صلي so صلي is is basically send your uh, praise and which is why it's, and even praise is not an accurate meaning which is why I believe that one should retain when you translate the salah and the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam one should retain as much as possible salah because there's actually uh, it's not um, the, uh, there doesn't seem to be an English word that can convey the meaning of salah properly. Uh, Ibn al-Qayyim then moves on to uh, the name Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and where it comes from and so on. So he says, "For Muhammad, who is the one who killed Muhammad, Muhammad the one who killed Muhammad, Muhammad the Muhammad is the one whom people praise often, or the one who is deserving to be praised many times over. That is the name of Muhammad, and Hamd and Muhammad, uh, and um, and then he lists uh, a hadith relating to the name uh, of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Here, actually, one of the thing that Ibn Qayyim does in this bit is goes into this um, idea that the Torah contains a mention of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's name. We'll turn to that in a minute, actually, very briefly. Um, وسمى الحمد بما لم يجتمع لغيره فإن اسمه محمد وأحمد وأمته الحمادون يحمدون الله تعالى في السراء والضراء والصلاة 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 أمته مفتتحة بالحمد وخطبة نعم هنا هي goes into a bit about حمد and why this ummah is an ummah of حمد and we begin our book with حمد and we our salah begins with حمد and we thank we we do حمد of Allah سبحانه وتعالى and therefore we are an ummah of حمد and this and our messenger is Muhammad and Ahmed. And he goes into Ahmed saying Ahmed is either because this is the sort of most complete form of praise, or his name is Ahmed because uh, Allah praised him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praised him. Um, and, uh, he explains here why if we say the messenger sallallahu as allah ta'ala says wama arsalnaka illa rahmatan lilalamin how is muhammad sallallahu a to the world he says he is a rahma one of the way to explain this ayah is that he is a rahma to the creation through uh, the benefits that they have gained through the messengership through the risala of the prophet sallallahu uh, and as for his enemies, he's also a rahmah to them. The ones that he وسلم, fought and the ones that ended up being killed at his hands or the hands of his followers, it is also a rahmah for them because actually he ended their lives early because if they had continued, their punishment in the hereafter would have been increased. So I found that interesting. Uh, he says that they die quickly is better than they live long uh, as disbelievers. Uh, he says the other way in which Rahma uh, is a Rahma to the world is that he is a mercy to everyone. Uh, he says the Messenger is a mercy to all mankind, yes. He says, but the believers benefited from this mercy 
in this world and in the hereafter. And as for the disbelievers, they rejected it. And therefore, they didn't gain anything from this. But that doesn't take away from the fact that he is a mercy to the world. Uh, he says in the same way that we can say this is a medicine. Now, this medicine will benefit the one who takes it. The one who refuses to take it, it doesn't mean it's not a medicine. He's refused to take it. So this is two ways he, Ibn al-Qayyim explains how it is that the Messenger, alayhi salatu wassalam, is a mercy or rahmah to the alami. قال علي بن رضي الله عنه كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أجود الناس صدرا وأستق الناس لهجة وأليانه وعريكة وأكرمهم عشرة من رآه بديهة هابه ومن خالطه معرفة أحبه يقول ناعته لم أرى قبله ولا بعده مثله صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم علي رضي الله عنه he said the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم was the kindest of people you know, this is a very bad translation. Um, Ibrahim, do you have a better translation of this? Because you probably came across this in uh, in uh, Shema'il. Yeah, yeah, this hadith is in the Shema'il. Yeah. Give me just uh, 20 seconds. <laughs> okay, Zakalakhir. By the way, Yukfa Hammu wa Yukfaru Dembu. Yes. Damn, that's it. Zakalakhir. Khairan. Barakallahu Yukfa. Precisely. That Allah Azza wa Jal, if you do Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, you know the hadith when the, messenger, the man came to the messenger, how much shall I uh, appoint of my salah for you? So the Prophet said, and he said, shall I do all of my salah? Just say salah, just do salah on you and uh, taslim on you. And he said, well, in that case, what will happen is Allah will take care of your affairs and will forgive your sins. I'd uh, kind of forgotten that last part. Uh, no. Yeah. Okay. So, do you want me to read the translation of this one? Yeah. Yes. So, okay. Um, um, <clears throat> yeah. Where did it begin here? It said, "Can some some Okay. Yeah. I mean, the commentary is here, but the translation is better for the yeah. translation. Um, his his blessed heart was the soundest and most generous of hearts. His speech is the most truthful of speech, and he is the gentlest of all people in nature and the noblest of them in social interactions and companionship. Whoever saw him unexpectedly would be awestruck. Whoever interacted with him whilst knowing him would love him. The one who would describe him would say, I saw neither before him nor after him anyone like him. Ibn al-Qayyim comments here. He says, He said what he means by this is that the amount of good that came from him, sallallahu alaihi how kind he was, alayhi salatu wasalam, and the fact that he was naturally inclined, naturally disposed to what is beautiful and what is good. And he, and he said, some scholars said, there is no good in this dunya. There is, a, uh, there is, there is no uh, place in this dunya that was uh, more, it was better or more filled with good than the heart or the chest of the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasalam. Uh, all goodness was gathered and placed in his chest, alayhi salatu wassalam, in his heart, alayhi salatu wassalam. Uh, as for, he was the best, his speech was the most truthful. He says, this is something that his enemies uh, testified to. His enemies gave testimony to this effect before his followers and his believers. The people who hated him, the people who fought him, the people who uh, rejected him, were the first people to, to put their hands up and say that this man speaks the truth always. Uh, um, he says and not a single lie he was never caught lying at any uh, point of his life 
he says and as for his he was the easy like the easiest going of people he says he was easy going he was close to people he used to associate with people hang around with people he used to answer the, the call or the invitation of anyone who calls him he says anyone who asks him for help he would try and go out of his way to help him if somebody asks him something وسلم, he would um, uh, you know uh, try and uh, assist that person uh, this is not a great translation but uh, if somebody comes and asks you for something you don't want to break their heart or disappoint them he doesn't you know say no to that person or uh, just turn them away uh, disappointed if his friends wanted something from him والسلام, he would agree with it and follow them with it, uh, on it and if he wanted to do something he wouldn't um, dictate the agenda so to speak he would uh, consult them he says uh, he would put them in charge and he would consult them. He said he used to accept the good deeds of the ones who are good and pardon the ones who are not uh, so good. Ali's saying Akramhum Ashra. He says the, 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 the you know the uh, the most generous or nicest of people to live with. He means the Messenger. When he would sit with someone, he would not uh, screw up his face, literally. And he wouldn't be uh, um, uh, coarse or harsh with his words. And he wouldn't sort of turn away from him. And he would not sort of say, oh, you said this and you said that. You wouldn't catch him on these little things, you know. And he wouldn't hold the other person accountable uh, owing to sort of how maybe their upbringing, they're a bit rough and so on. Uh, he would go out of his way to be kind and nice and uh, and uh, and uh, gentle with whoever is, is, is visiting him. And he would tolerate and accept as much as possible. And on and on. So, and then Ibn Ali anhu, Ibn Qayyim comments on Ali is saying, whoever sees him by chance is taken back by him and whoever mixes with him وسلم, ends up loving him uh, says Ali here السلام, described the messenger وسلم, in two things the, which are unique if you want uh, to the people of truth and people of sincerity which is awe and love uh, so whoever would see the messenger وسلم, would be in awe of him but whoever ends up mixing with him would end up loving him he says if you have just one and not the other this, there's a there's um uh, uh, there's a shortcoming or there's a problem uh, he says you need to combine both uh, no. let's carry on inshallah we said that Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam here, he is the one who is praised time and time again. 
نعم إن محمد هو المحمود حمدا متكررا كما تقدم وأحمد هو الذي حمده We covered this where Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the one the difference between Muhammad and Ahmed is that Muhammad is the one who is praised repeatedly and Ahmed is the one whom Allah azza wa jal praised or وأحمد هو الذي حمده حمده لربه أفضل من حمد الحمدين غير نعم uh, or the other meaning of Ahmed there are two meanings one is that he is the one whom Allah praised the other meaning is that he is the most praise uh, the one who praises Allah the best way so the, the Ahmed can mean both these meanings that Ahmed can mean the one who best praises Allah and Ahmed can also mean the one whom Allah Azzawajal praised. Wallahu alam. Yani, uh, these are all things that the scholars go into, and these are these are spaces for ijtihad. We don't criticize the other party unless it's completely uh, weird uh, or an, a strange opinion or baseless opinion. But this is ijtihad, and the scholars expended a lot of effort in these things. Not time to, to waste time for two for two for many purposes, but among them is to think. To actually do ijtihad about these things in the hope that Allah Azza will give them further reward, uh, an extra reward for their efforts. So they expended efforts in uh, seeking Allah Subhanahu wa Taala's rewards. It's a form of ijtihad, and they know that one of these answers is correct, uh, or most likely to be correct with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Although all the answers can be correct in some in some cases, but one of these answers sometimes it's one. It's a case of one of these answers is correct. I want to expend an effort to find out, to uh, try and find out which one that is. I will not necessarily know until the day of judgment, where I will be double rewarded. But in any case, I will be still be rewarded a single reward for the efforts that I make. Of course, the other thing is, uh, is sometimes these are exercises for the mind. Literally, I am. Uh, I want to utilize my uh, my talent or my abilities or my. Uh, uh, um, my uh, skills in hadith or in language or in usul or in fiqh or anything so here here, uh, this is some of the reasons of course uh, Ibn al-Qaim goes on, on pages about uh, the Hebrew language a very elaborate discussion and anyone who reads this uh, will get lost here you know, he, he, he says how it is that they uh, formulate words and so on. Uh, pages and pages, and he gives you dozens of examples. This relates, of course, to two, the two points. One is the name Ibrahim, how that comes about, what does it mean? And also it relates to uh, uh, the Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, being mentioned in the Torah. Uh so this is why he goes into this discussion, but it's very, very detailed. Um, this is the point about the Injil being, a, being how the Christians could not do without the Torah because the Christians don't seem to have a law of their own. Uh, it's just a side point. It's interesting. So having covered Allahumma Salli and then Muhammad, he goes on to then discussion, a very long discussion of Al-Al, what does it mean, and the different ahkam pertaining to it. He says, is Al the family? And if it is the family, so what kind of family is it? Or as in, what is it referring to? Is it referring to his tribe? Is it referring to uh, uh, 
Banu Hashim is referring to only the ones whom is uh, haram upon is it referring to also does it include his wives all of these elaborate and detailed discussions that to be honest here we go uh, the four opinions the, the ones whom uh, is not is prohibited to be given to and then he says who they are there's three opinions about that this is the method of Shafi these discussions are important uh, in some contexts and even in context of zakah and sadaqah these discussions are important um, uh, but you know um uh, the other opinion is the al is or all his followers are the pious of his ummah a lot of this discussion is very detailed very elaborate beautiful and interesting only for them for the specialists i would say you are better for uh yeah just reading reading the summarized version it says the internet connection is weak uh it's okay طيب. Um, do you have any uh, points you want to bring up, anybody? Ibrahim or others? Um, this is a side point. I mean, w- one thing um, I could mention is um, you know the hadith about can ajud nasi sadra? Uh, in the Shema'il, there's in, in the Sharh of the Shema'il as well, they mention about this also speaks about the Prophet وسلم, that in English this means that he had the most generous of hearts. And this is telling you that his generosity would be from his heart. You know, someone could be generous, they can give you a lot of money, they could be very good to you, they could be very kind to you and give you a lot of help. But in their heart, it's they just want to get it over and done with. Or maybe they're just doing it for the reward and nothing just particularly to do good for you. Whereas when it came from the Prophet ﷺ, even the goodness that he does, it comes straight from his heart and it's not something that's just actions, but it's deep uh, within him. And it's just more of a reason for us to increase in sending salah upon the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ. So his, uh, his generosity was not pretentious, it was genuine. Zakallah khair. Barakallah uh, if anyone else has any points, they're uh, more than welcome to share them. So having gone through uh, the Al, this is uh, where Ibn al-Qayyim again sidetracks somewhat. And he begins talking about, he says, This is the best place to talk about uh, the wives of the Prophet Before then, actually, he says something very nice. And there's a section about whether Sharia recognizes the marriages of the disbelievers and so on. Without going into all of that, but I found it interesting because he, he brings up a point. He says, okay, why is it that in uh, Surah Al-Lahab, Allah doesn't refer to Abu Lahab's wife as his zawja? He calls her Imra. And it's a little bit of an interesting discussion. But after that, he says, He says, the secrets of the terms or the words used in the Quran and the construction of the words he says, He says, is above the of the the minds of the alamin, the world, all alamin, the the ones who are uh, knowledgeable. He says, the secrets that lie behind the words and the formulations of the Quran are above what we can contemplate. And you know, so these ayat sometimes uh, you read these. Uh, 
I have that in Usul, one of the things you learn, one example they often give uh, uh, when extracting ahkam from ayat, he says, you know, the discussion about how many ayat does, how many ayat of ahkam does the Quran consist of? And you know, there are these opinions, 70, 100, 140, 500, and so on. And then, of course, there is an opinion that, no, the entire Quran can be used to for the deduction or the extraction of ahkam. And one example we, yani, sometimes I give or others I've heard uh, teachers give, is they say, okay, guys, here's Surah Al-Lahab, recite it. All of you are familiar with it. Give me some ahkam. So one of the ahkam that we come up with is that the Sharia recognizes the marriages of disbelievers because Allah refers to Abu Lahab's wife as Imra'atu. Ibn Al-Qayyim here, on the, yani not Ibn Al-Qayyim himself, but he's mentioning, he's his um, interlocutor, his imagined interlocutor. He's saying, but hold on a second. Where did you come up with that? Allah didn't say was his his wife, Zoja. He says, no, Imra'atu. Then he replies to it. Ibn Qayyim replies to this, and he brings up some other evidences. Very interesting how, how they come up with these things. At the end of it, you think, um, the Quran doesn't end. The secrets of this book do not end. Even these ayat that you pass by hundreds of times, you suddenly they, they are, they're, they're given life to when a new meaning appears. And this is why he says the secrets of the Quran's words or the terms and the formulations is something that we cannot comprehend with our minds. Or the entire world cannot comprehend. Anyway, he goes on to the wives of Rasulullah. He begins, of course, with Khadija, and he mentions her certain things that are unique to Khadija. One of the nice things he mentions about Khadija, uh, you know, whether Khadija is more is more um, is afdal, is better or greater in status, I should say, than Aisha and the different opinions of that and so on. But one of the nice things that he mentions. Ah, here it is. Is that when Khawas Khadija radiallahu anha, this one of the unique things about Khadija, innaha lam She never upset him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, or was rude to him or offended him. He says, وسلم, was never upset with her. He was never angry with her. He never criticized her. He never forsake her. He never, uh, you know, any of these things. And he says, and that's just enough as a manqaba, as a virtue, and as a good, and as a good thing. It was just very nice. Then he goes into Aisha, as so of course, in Aisha, and then he's otherwise. Uh, and then he mentions the hadith of al-ifk, and this hadith, if you want something that moves your heart, if you want um, uh, something... Um, a beautiful and the best or the most beautiful stories in the sunnah as far as i i i'm i in my experience at least uh is um this the story of ifk the story where aisha anha was accused falsely accused uh, of having committed uh, adultery uh and the second one is the hadith of the three who uh, the three who, uh, who who did not uh, join the Messenger وسلم, in the Battle of Tabuk, um, which most of Surah, the first one is a Surah Al Nur, the second was this one is a Surah uh, Tawbah. And that's another beautiful story, a beautiful story. And the third one, of course, is when the uh, uh, the Ansar complained, says, Ya Rasulullah, in the Hadil Haim al Ansar, what did you fear in Fusihim? 
uh, he says, you know, this uh, this tribe of the Ansar are, are feeling a bit um, ill or towards you. And the Prophet ﷺ, he gave them a speech and he said to them, you know, Ansar, you know, didn't Allah guide you through me and so on. Just beautiful stories. These three stories are stories that are heartwarming. They will, you know, most likely just uh, activate something in you that... Uh, that we all need. So here's Aisha Muminin radiallahu anha telling us wala sha'ni fi nafsi kana ahqar min an yatakallam allahu fi wahi nutla. He says, you know, Aisha says, I uh, was uh, lower in myself and I didn't think that I, Allah Azza wa Jal would reveal something about me. Wala kin kunt arju an yara Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ru'ya yubarri'ni Allah biha. And I was just hoping uh, that the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would see a dream uh, that uh, would you know exonerate me would clear me of this charge so ibn al-qayyim says الأمة, this is the siddiqa of this ummah and the mother of all believers وسلم, she is the most beloved of people to the messenger she knows that she is innocent and she's being wronged here and that those who are accusing her of this ill uh, are um, oppressing her مفترون عليها fabricating things about her قد بلغ أذاهم بها إلى أبويها she uh, the, the, this uh, harm that they've done is reached the ears of her father and her parents وإلى رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم and to the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم وهذا كان احتقار لنفسها وتصغير لشأنها and this in spite of all this she thought so she was so modest and so thought so little of herself he says this is أم المؤمنين all of this and and he says, "Fama He says, and he says, "So what do you think?" So what do you think of this person who has fasted a day or two, or a month or two? And he spent one or two nights in night prayers. And he's seen certain things and indications of piety. He says, so they start seeing themselves so they start seeing themselves as deserving of karamat of miracles and things makashafat seeing things i'm not sure what these actually mean except that it means it's probably referencing some sort of sufi terminology that suddenly they start seeing themselves as deserving of and their dua is answered and so on and they start seeing, thinking that they are people that Others can seek barakah through them, meeting them. And you know, we should ask them for dua. And that people should respect them and, 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 um, honor you and so on. So people should, you know, uh, uh, rub their, uh, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it? And you just rub their clothes and so on. And follow their footsteps and so on. وَأَنَّهُمْ مِنَ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلْبِ الْمَنْكَانَ الَّتِي يَنْتَقِمْ لَهُمْ لِأَجْلِهَا He says and that Allah Azza wa will um, seek revenge or avenge for the, you know, any wrongs done to them. Uh, it goes on and on. He says, uh, uh, he says and this, وَهَذِي الْحَمَقَاتِ وَالرُّعْنَاتِ نَتَائِجِ الْجَهْلِ الصَّمِيمِ وَالْغَعْقِ الْغَيْرِ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ he 
He says, all of these are indications of stupidity and ignorance and the mind that is not stable. And this only comes from somebody who is proud or, or um, uh, conceited, uh, oblivious to the to their sins and their evil doings, and uh, uh, f- uh, deluded by the fact that Allah has left them without punishing them and so on. He says, we ask Allah, and he says, Nas'Allah ta'ala al-'afiyah fi dunya wal-akhirah. We seek refuge in Allah from this state, in this dunya and in the hereafter. And then he says beautifully, he says, وَيَمَّغِي لِلْعَبْدِ أَنْ يَسْتَعِيدْ بِاللَّهِ أَنْ يَكُونَ عِنْدَ نَفْسِهِ عَظِيمًا وَهُوَ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ حَقِيرًا uh, He says, and the servant must seek refuge in Allah, that he thinks highly of himself, while Allah thinks lowly of him. And some of the uh, athar, I believe Umar, others, radiallahu anhum, would say, اللَّهُمَّ إِنِّي أَعُوذُ بِكَ أَنَكُونَ فِي نَفْسِ عَظِيمًا وَعِنْدَكَ صَغِيرًا وَعِنْدَكَ حَقِيرًا Allah, I seek refuge in you from thinking highly or thinking much of myself while you think nothing of me. So Allah understand. طيب, he, Ibn al-Qayyim, carries on and uh, he now talks about the um, Hafsa, the virtues of Hafsa and uh, this is just... Uh, uh, I don't know why I highlighted this, if I'm honest with you. This is just the hadith that Jibreel came to the Prophet Sallallahu uh, I think, ah, the fact that he was the only one whom Jibreel can, uh, interceded on the behalf of, that he, Jibreel came to the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and says, yeah, that uh, Allah asks you to take back Hafsa, for she is a fasting and woman who continuously prays, and she will be your wife in the hereafter. Uh, no, and this is here is Jibreel came to the Prophet and said to him, Allah asks you to take back Hafsa out of mercy to Umar. Rahmatan li Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. No. So just some side benefits. And uh, and then uh, subhanAllah Ibn al-Qayyim goes into this very long discussion. And he does this in repeatedly, by the way. He does this in Zad al-Ma'ad. A very long discussion as to when did the Prophet marry Um Habiba? Very, very long discussion on when did the Prophet marry Um Habib because there's some ikhtilaf on it. So Ibn al-Qayyim wants to reject one view and completely undermine it or or uh, disprove it. He goes into this to yani, very, very, very long. And uh, this is another the, one of those things that is recurring with Ibn al-Qayyim. It comes up time and again in different books. So um, he says here he وسلم, married uh, 11 women. Uh, and he married also, or he made a, he drew up a contract, he contracted his marriage with seven others, but he didn't uh, consummate those marriages. Uh, after s- explaining al, meaning the family and what that means, different definitions of that, uh, he goes on to describe uh, explaining the dhurriya, the children of the Prophet وسلم, uh, and where that word comes from. Uh, do the grandchildren are they included also? Any discussions that, to be honest with you, are, are interesting but not so interesting after all. Uh, Ibrahim, he says, comes from the words Syriani word Ab Abun Rahim. Uh, Ibrahim comes from Abun Rahim, a kind or a merciful uh, father. And Prophet ﷺ described him as Sheikh Al Anbiya, which I liked. Sometimes you you need to be reminded of these things. Prophet I said and referred to 
ابراهيم عليه السلام از بينج اور شيخ قاتله الله لقد علم ان شيخنا لم يكن يستقسم بالازلام طيب ان ابراهيم كان امه اكسبلينز امه هي الامه هو القدوه المعلم للخير امه الله سبحانه وتعالى ديسكرايبس ابراهيم از بينج ان امه سو هيز ان امه هي از قدوه از ان اكزامبل هو تيتش المعلم للخير هو تيتشز اذرز جود والقانت الله ديسكرايبس ابراهيم از بينج قانتا لله والقانت المطيع لله تعالى الملازم لطاعته از قانت سمبري هو از كونتينيوسلي اور از اولويز اوبيدينت تو الله جل وعلا حنيفا والحنيف هي سيز المقبل على الله تعالى والمعرض عما سواه هي سيز حنيف ذا مينينغ اوف حنيف از ذا وان هو تيرنز تو الله سبحانه وتعالى اند تيرنز اواي فروم اول اذرز ومن فسره بالمائل فلم يفسره بنفس موضع موضوع اللفظ وانما فسره بلازم المعنى وي دونت نيد تو جو انتو نعم حنيف المسلم المسلم اف وي نو ذات سبميتنج اور يعني بيليفنج طيب في ذكر المسائل المشهوره اه از ابراهيم جريتر مور جريتر ان ستاتس ذان مسجد صلى الله عليه وسلم او فايس فيرسا وي دونت need to go into that discussion. Let me see what other highlights. SubhanAllah, it's more than an hour. Uh, I wasn't anticipating that. I, I, said to, uh, I said to Barah, I said, no, I think this will be a 40-minute session. Khair, inshallah. Let me see if there are any other highlights. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala Muhammad. Tayyip, this is... Do any input from uh, anyone in the session? Baraka means uh, any f- addition or increase. Nama uh, ziyada. We ask Allah when you say Barakallah, we ask Allah to uh, increase what you have, increase what you have in good, or make it more useful. This is about the messengers of Allah Well, Ibrahim alayhi salam is family, in fact. طيب في اختتام هذه الصلاة بهذه الاسمين اسماء الرب الحميد المجيد. Why do we end uh, the salah in the Nabi sallallahu alayhi salam with إنك حميد مجيد؟ اشتف الحميد فعيل من الحمد وهو بمعنى محمود وأكثر ما يأتي فعيل في اسمائه تعالى بمعنى فعيل. He says وأما الحميد فلم يأتي إلا بمعنى المحمود وهو أبلغ من المحمود. فإن فعيل إذا عدل به عن المفعول دل على أن تلك الصفة قد صارت مثل السجية والغريزة والخلق اللازم نعم he says حميد he says something interesting I'm trying When Salah and the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and the meaning of Salah, he said, is we ask Allah Azza wa Jal uh, to praise and to honor our Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and to raise his, uh, and, and to uh, uh, mention him in a gathering better than our gathering and so on. Uh, and to love him more and to uh, draw him closer to him. He says, that's the meaning of Salah and the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. وَلَمَّا كَانْتِ الصَّلَاةَ عَلَى النَّبِي صلى الله عليه وسلم كما تقدم كانت مشتملة على الحمد والمجد. So salah here is uh, encompasses both praising and uh, majd honoring or glorifying honoring. 
فكأن المصلي المصلي the one who asks الصلاة طلب من الله is asking Allah to increase uh, his hamd his praise and his honoring of the messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم فإن الصلاة عليه هي نوع حمد له وتمجيد when we say صلاة oh Allah صلي على النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم this is a form of praise for him and the glory and honoring of him هذه حقيقة this is the reality of what it means فذكر في هذا المطلوب الاسمين المناسبين له he says and as a result Allah ends uh, or we end this dua with the two names that are most appropriate for the context and they are Al-Hamid Al-Majid the one most uh, 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 praising uh, يعني often praising or most praising and Majid the one most يعني and honoring Majd honor or in that sort of meaning وهذا كما تقدم and this is makes sense because we are advised to end our dua with the name that is most appropriate for the dua that we are making and then he goes into some examples of that that we uh, many of us probably come across طيب. then uh, we covered this in the last session when we have multiple variants of a single dua what are we supposed to do are we supposed to stick to one type always are we supposed to combine them all are we supposed to do one sometimes and one other times of course the thing we said on the last occasion is that the best approach is to come is to choose different ones for different occasions and we mentioned the reasons or the benefits of doing that uh, he covers that here and he says it doesn't make any sense to combine all of these uh, variants in 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 any one setting he says it's it's, it's not just makes no sense he says, because the purpose is the meaning. So he says, when you combine all the different variants in one go, he says, one, one of these variants is enough. It delivers or conveys the meaning. So when you do this, he says, it, it makes the dua too long. It makes the dua, uh, it's, not, it's just basically not practice, practical. If you were to do this in salah, then you're going to have to basically mention every single istiftah for the salah. He says, it's impossible to do. So in any case, what one ought to do is within the 44 hadith that we saw, 44 examples, different examples of how to uh, make salah on the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says we should choose different ones and memorize different ones. And it's not difficult, you know, one thing I will say is there's something about dua is that in general, uh, I don't know if this is something that all of us have experienced or if all of us would agree here, but in general, I just find that dua is easier to memorize than many other things. Is that because we appreciate it more? Is it because we use it more? Is it because it's meaningful to us? Uh, is it because, uh, but this is my experience. Maybe some of you will agree here. Uh, um, we're trying to, I'll try and wrap up soon, inshallah. Um, Ibn al-Qayyim then in the third section of this book he discusses the different times and places that one ought to make dua and uh, make salah on the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam and whether this is an obligation when does it become obligatory and when is it just highly recommended he goes into a long elaborate discussion we don't need to uh, go into um, put it this way if you want the fiqh of this issue if you want the hadith pertaining to this matter this is the book to go to but I don't think we need to go into that detail now. We this is a general and basic overview. Um, Let's see. What else do we have?
Now, this is a nice bit here. He said, Allah, he said, he says during uh, Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah says was salah ala nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam lidduaa bimanzilat al-fatiha min as-salah. He says during salah on the nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam beginning your dua with salah on the nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is tantamount almost like making dua uh, sorry make uh, reciting al-fatiha in as-salah. Yani in other words uh, it's of the same ranking it's comparable to it. Wa hadhihi al-mawtan allati qad taqaddamat kullu shari'at as-salah ala nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam dua. So he says, from iftah dua salah nabi. So the key to dua is the salah of the nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam. In the same way that the key to salah is uh, being a purified state. Fasallahu alaihi wa ala alihi sallam tasliman. He says, Abu Sulaiman al-Darani, one of the tabi'in. He says, Man arada an yasal Allah hajata. Whoever wants to ask Allah for something, فليبدأ بالصلاة على النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم. He should ask. He should begin with the salah on the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. وليسأل حاجات. And then he should ask for whatever is he wants. وليختم بالصلاة على النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم. So he should begin with the salah, ask and end and and wrap up with the salah on the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. Then he says, فإن الصلاة على النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم مقبولة. He says, salah on the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم is always accepted, never rejected. والله أكرم أن أن يرد ما بينهما. And Allah is kinder than to reject what is comes in between. So if you begin your dua with the salah of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, you ask what it is you ask, the beginning is accepted and the end will be accepted. And so Allah will uh, also out of his kindness and magnanimity accept what is in between the beginning and the end. Since he's accepted the beginning and the end, he will accept what's in between. This is what Abu Sulaiman Darani, rahimahullah says, and I, I did like that, so I thought I'd share it. Now, طيب. Uh, at the end of gatherings, talbiya, all sorts of places, he lists the hadith and he talks about the authenticity and so on. Uh, he says, why is it that the Messenger وسلم, referred to the one who does not do salah on him, if he is mentioned, alayhi salatu wasalam, as being stingy, bakhil? He says, because this person, he says, لِأَنَّ مَنْ أَحْسَنَ إِلَى الْعَبْدِ الْإِحْسَانِ الْعَظِيمِ If somebody does a great deal of good for you, وَحَصَلَ لَهُ بِهَذَا الْخَيْلِ الْجَسِيمِ And a great amount of good comes to you as a result of the good that this person has done to you. ثُمَّ يُذْكَرْ عِنْدَهُ وَلَا يُثْنِ عَلَيْهِ And then he is, this person's name comes up in a conversation and you don't praise him or you don't say anything nice about him, even though all of this good stuff has come uh, by his hands or at his hands. ولا يبالغ في حمده ومدحه وتمجيده. He doesn't say he doesn't praise him or speak highly of him or uh, honor him or anything of the kind. Uh, عده الناس بخيل لئيم كثورا. He says if this happens, you would consider that person to be stingy, uh, ungrateful, um, and so on. He says, for how is it then? What do we make of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? He says, what about the man or the person whom the least of his of the good things he did is better than the best thing that somebody can do to somebody else? The person whom as a result of his good uh, the Messenger whom as a result of the good that he has brought into this world you will gain what is the, the, you gain the best of this dunya and the hereafter and you will rescue and save yourself from the evils of this world and the hereafter 
والذي لا تتصور القلوب حقيقة نعمته وإحسانه فضلا عن أن يقوم بشكره أليس هذا المنعم المحسن حق بأن يعظم ويثنى عليه نعم he says in this person as in the messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم deserving of of all salah that we could possibly make given the great amount of good that he has brought into this world عليه الصلاة والسلام what is this here? وقد تقدم أكثر علي الصلاة يعني بالصلاة أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم on a Friday because the salah that we make is presented before the messenger عليه الصلاة والسلام on Fridays and whoever does more salah on him is closer to him أقربهم مني منزلة there are lots of stories here I'm not going to mention any of them but they're they're there you can find them and and read about them, about people who um, do thousands of salah on the Nabi on Fridays. They have a word of just salah on the Nabi running into the hundreds of thousands, th- hundreds or thousands. And in fact, I've read somewhere they say hundreds of thousands. Allah I don't know. Uh, but um, and then you have stories of people turning up in, in dreams. The Messenger sends someone, and he says to him, "Why did you? St- why you used to do one thousand salah?" On uh, on me. How is it that now you're just doing seven hundred and things like that? It's just beautiful. And uh, they say, you know, if you uh, love something or love someone, you'll often uh, talk about it or talk about him or talk about uh, that thing that you love. And Salah the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam prevents us from speaking. Uh, yeah, he makes good use of our ability to speak. And uh, it uh, reaps us huge amounts of rewards. The best section of this book, perhaps, or the, one of the most useful sections, at least for the, the average reader, is the fourth section, where he lists, uh, Ibn Qayyim lists a whole string of benefits to uh, relating to Salah and the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And then the final section for Salah al-Ghayri, the final section of his book is um, where he discusses doing Salah on others, other than the Prophet and his family, such as other messengers or other righteous people, uh, and the differences of opinion on that and so on. Um, I think that's pretty much it. And whether you can say alayhi salam regarding anyone other than the messengers, and the most sound opinion it would be, although Ibn Qayyim doesn't seem to incline to this opinion himself, is that you can do salam on Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and others, people other than the messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So for example, Umar ibn Khattab, Ali ibn Abi Talib, and so on. As long as it doesn't become something that you always do, and as long as it doesn't become a marker of something. So he says the problem is, the Rafid, for example, they single out Ali alayhi salam and they always say alayhi salam or alayhi salatu was salam, uh, but they don't do that for others, other sahaba who are more de- deserving of this. So, what we say is that uh, you can do, you can do salah and salam, salah and salam on people other than the messengers. Um, uh, but it shouldn't be habitual and it shouldn't be a sense of obligation. Wallahu uh, Ibn al-Qayyim has 
his opinion on this. Kuriha and yitakhad alayhi shi'aran. Kuriha and yitakhad al-salah alayhi shi'aran. La yikhil bihi. Walau qeel bitahrimi lakan lahu. Ibn al-Qayyim is inclined to the view that it's dislike to do this. Especially if it becomes a marker of something. And if somebody were to say it's prohibited, there's some evidence or there's an argument to be made to that effect. Wallahu alam. And, uh, and this, with this, he ends. With this point, Ibn al-Qayyim ends this book. Uh, and then look, 200 or so, 150 pages is uh, referencing. To wrap up, Yani, uh, I don't know. I hope this session has proven useful. This is, like I said, a reference point. This book is a, a, a go-to uh, on this issue, if you want to explore it in great detail. Uh, the hadith are exhaustive. Uh, the details regarding the fiqh issues are, uh, are comprehensive. Uh, it's an enjoyable read. If you want to read the summary, uh, that's more than sufficient, I think, for most people. And uh, well, that, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say, inshallah, regarding this. Uh, does anyone have any points they wish to add or anything they want to ask, anything of the kind, inshallah? Uh, feel free to do so. Uh, no. Um, one thing, um, if you go to page um, five three five, five three five. Uh, I think he, uh, he explains why uh, indirectly he's explaining why if you send all your salah upon the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi then your worries will be gone and uh, your sins will be forgiven. And I think this is a beautiful section because he says. That it's at the beginning of this page. So he's saying that um, you, instead of making your own dua, you're sending salah upon the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, instead of making dua. And you're doing that because you know that this is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves. So you're preferring what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves over what you love, over what you want. No. And then he says, well, Jazaum min jinsil aman. So this section here, he says, and you're rewarded based upon your action. So if you have preferred Allah, over your own uh, desires, and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward you by preferring you over his other slaves. And therefore, you'll get what you need even without having to ask for it. So it's mm -hmm. a nice explanation on why if you just send salah upon the Prophet وسلم, then your answers will be given even without having asked them. And uh, it's something I think very is very rarely done. Yeah, khairan. And this was a beautiful section. Absolutely right, subhanAllah. Uh, because you are seeking closeness to Allah in the thing in the most beloved, he says it here, in the thing that is most beloved to him, which is the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I really like that. Jazakallah khairan. That's, that's beautiful. Thank you for, for bringing that to our attention. Uh, anything else? Uh, anyone else? Otherwise, we will uh, wrap up, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, next week, I don't think there'll be a session. I doubt there'll be a session next week. Uh, we will update you to in due course, inshallah. Jazakallah khairan. Yaman uh, for taking care of the administrative side of things. May Allah reward our Nabi May Allah reward our Messenger in the best way that a Messenger can be rewarded on behalf of his Ummah. The one who taught the creation or the people all that is good. And uh, let's incorporate some of this in our lives, inshallah. Let's incorporate more salah and the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in our lives. Uh, and let's make an effort of uh, yani reading hadith books. Reading books of hadith is just beautiful. 
and um, and hopefully, inshallah, we'll see you if not next week, the week after, with uh, with our tenth stop. Zakum Allah khairan. Subhanakallah and bihamdika. Shadun la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. And uh, I leave you all in Allah's care. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.